but normally I don't think we like that humility thing. I know I don't. It's uncomfortable. But this is a different way to do life. God has always used a different approach to bring his people to where they might be. And there's an Old Testament story, that story that we just read, that highlights God's different way, how the way up is actually down, weak is strong, and humility is an essential feature of his people. In Daniel chapter 5, we read about King Balthazar. He was a great and mighty and awesome king. Uh, According to legend, one of the seven ancient wonders of the world was built. The hanging gardens of Babylon he built. He was wealthy beyond all wealth. He drank, at least it's depicted in this story, he drank out of golden cups from conquered kingdoms. Even in the Bible, it's described, Babylon is described as a kingdom of gold. And one night he threw a great feast. Every nobleman from the kingdom came. A thousand noblemen. He brought the best wine, the best food, entertainment. And I guess one of the things that stands out in this story, and it's, it's true then and it's just as true today now. If we gain a lot of attention, if we get a lot of accolades, if we get a lot of promotion towards us, it becomes increasingly difficult to not think we are worthy of that attention. You see that all the time in our world, don't we? People that become famous, well, they think they deserve to be famous. But that is not what God desires. In the midst of a party, in this wild night, something happens that people talk about to this day. Have you heard about the writing on the wall? That statement, well, it comes from this story. They're still talking about what happened there that night. A hand appeared out of nowhere and started writing on the wall. And the room, which had been a wild party up to that point, just shut down. The party just stopped right there. I would imagine if somebody dropped a pin, they could have could have heard it drop. What was going on? What was this hand writing? Desperate for answers, the king called for someone that could translate what was being written. He made an offer that included extraordinary wealth, exemption from taxes, royal position. All of this was given. They finally found Daniel. So Daniel came in. Many of you know the story. Uh, Daniel came in. He didn't mind offering the translation, but he said, I really don't need your stuff. I don't want your stuff. And that was a wise move on his part. Turning down that reward was the smartest thing he could have done. Daniel is just one man in a line of people through the centuries, a people of God who lived differently than almost everyone. He understood because of God's wisdom that A foreign king was right outside the city and the defenses that the king was relying on would not be enough. They would be overwhelmed. In fact, if Daniel would have taken that high position, he would have had it for like a night. And he would have been known as a a high leader in this, this, the, the old kingdom and it could have 
probably put him, made him into a target. Daniel realized that that position was worthless. There was a new kingdom coming that night. So Daniel displayed humility. He denied the accolades. He ignored the glory because this world had nothing for him. The, the message today is called the upside-down kingdom. It, it's, just a, it's, a, it's a way of describing the different way that a believer might see the world than, than everyone else. It, it's not always easy to describe this upside-down kingdom. And it typically looks different for different people. Like your upside-down kingdom might be a little different than someone else's upside-down kingdom. But the more we highlight it in, in that other person, let's say we say, oh, that person has the upside-down kingdom going on in them, the harder it gets for that person to live up to what it is. Let me help you understand first what the right-side kingdom up is. The right-side kingdom, or the world, it values an immediate return. It values power, possessions, status. But no matter how smart, powerful, or wealthy a person might become, life has a way of breaking those things down, destroying them. The most powerful king in the world of, of Daniel's day had his palace broken into and his super fortress was destroyed, overrun by a, a foreign power. Daniel didn't want any of that power. He didn't need that prestige. He didn't need that wealth because he didn't belong to that kingdom. He understood that that kingdom was not to last and it really wasn't his. He knew it was going to fall. God, God's writing was on the wall. This will all be over. This is lacking. This is not enough. And Jesus, fast forward hundreds of years later to when Jesus was on earth, it's, it's the same theme. God's people from centuries ago till Jesus' time until this very day today, God is seeking to have his people live with different values and to live it out in every area of life. This sermon is, is stemming from not just these, well, it, it's stemming from these verses, it's these values from the, the Bible, but it's, it's from part of the vision process that our, our church has been going through. So, uh, to give you a little bit of history, the vision team met. There's about 25 of us. We started way back, I think it was February or March now, and we talked about and we crafted a mission statement, which is what we'll have a question and answer on a little bit later today. But we also took some time to determine what our values are. Now, in the back of your program, you can see values, and those values are still there. So at Bethany's core values. What we believe, though, is that as time goes on, sometimes it's good to update or review those values, make sure they reflect still who we are. So this group of 25 people got together and it didn't go the way I was hoping to. We spent about five hours together that day to try to figure out what these values are. We, we tried just tweaking the old values. We had new words. We had all these things and we couldn't come to a consensus. And our decision that day was we can't make something happen that isn't there. So we, we walked away. 
a smaller team of people later got together, took all the words that that previous larger group came up with, and narrowed them down to four or five. That was then given to Pastor Kim and I, and we tweaked it just a little bit. Then that went to the overseers. That was tweaked a little bit. Then it went back to that original small team, and then it went back to the greater team. So eventually, we came to the words that we have here. It, it represents a lot of effort to try to not just get something down on paper, but to get the right words. And the first word, the first value that we have is humility, living in the power of the Holy Spirit. Humility is living in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we will be focusing on today. Michael Wilcox wrote in a commentary, The people of God will have a natural reversal of values. We will prize what the world despises. When these values are taken to their full extent, we will see their value. Now, to make it clear, the believer doesn't necessarily run from power. If, if a powerful position comes to a believer, it doesn't mean they have to run away from it, or money, or prestige, or any of these things. The difference, though, is the Christian is not controlled by them. They're not seeking them. But for the Christian, living in the upside-down kingdom means we're not controlled by the. It's no longer holding us over them. The, this person can look the king in the eye with all the offers that they might offer. The, think the, the wealthy of our community, the power of whatever you think people want. We can look that person, the relationship that somebody might offer, we can look that person in the eye and say, I don't know if I need that if it doesn't put me on the right track with where God wants me to be. Two people, Daniel and this king, were in the exact same situation. They were high up authorities in this kingdom. Two of them looked at the same thing. Daniel could say, no, I don't want your things. This is what's going to happen. And you could, it's almost like a sense of calm in the midst of chaos was going on. The king... Do you, re, do you remember that last verse? What was, do you remember what his knees were doing? They were knocking. They were shaking together. Have you ever been in a spot where you're just freaking out because there's no good answer? And I would have to agree. That king's in trouble. And I'd also agree, Daniel is going to do just fine. That's the way it's going to be. Think about this in our lives and in our world today. Two people could face a challenge, maybe in a business. Let's say a business proposition, a business challenge comes our way. What could happen? Maybe a person has to make a decision, has to make a choice. If they, if they lie, things might go their way. But, but if they don't lie, maybe things will go just the way, maybe outside of their control. They give that control back to God. This is not being fatalist or accepting what happens. It's engaging with our world in a totally different way. We are free to live the life that we might have. Well, let's get right into the text. This is Mark chapter 9, and we're going to use the program. If you have an outline in your program right now, you can fill that in. It is getting very dark out. Isn't that interesting? It really it got like 10 degrees darker. 
All right. Well, as you're filling in this outline, it might help you understand a little bit better where this is going. Mark chapter 9 is where we're at. And the, the first lines in your program is, is the writing is on the wall. The writing is on the wall. Jesus was on a walk with his disciples. He had just, with great power, done a great miracle previously. And then he'd gone into this whole talk about how, in, previously in Mark chapter 9, about how he will suffer, how he will die, he, how he will go through these challenging, desperate, difficult situations. So he's basically laying out his entire mission in the gospel. And, and what is the disciples' response to all this? They talked about who is going to be the greatest. He was opening the door to an all-new kingdom, and it was on its way. As sure as a king outside the gates of a city, it was on its way. The revolution was about to happen. Jesus is showing with great power what could happen. He's talking about how he's going to bring life, and what is the disciples' response to all this? Who's going to be the greatest? Can you imagine how frustrated and disappointed Jesus must have been at that point? It's like, I've been trying to teach you this. I'm showing you this. I'm doing all this. And then, oh, yeah, I, I don't know. Who's going to be great, though? It's, it's sort of like, you know, the greatest moment on earth, and, you know, they're asking for tacos. Um, Jesus lived to give this new life. And these, di- these guys didn't get it. They were tempting. They were, what they were basically trying to do is taking the present, the right side up kingdom and focusing all their attention and life on that. Power, prestige, wealth. But these things will fade. The writing is on the wall. Do we understand someday all this will end? It will. Seek instead something else. Others first, being last, knowing people like he does. Let's look at that verse back in Daniel, verses 5 and 6. Suddenly the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster wall near the lampstand in the holy in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale and he was so frightened that his legs became weak and were knocking. Just like in Daniel's day, a kingdom is ending. Old King Balthazar ignored, but it didn't change reality. See, I can just imagine his scouts in the days leading up to that, that attack on the city, his scouts must have been telling him, Balthazar, there's an enemy coming. And Balthazar is saying, my kingdom is strong. My walls are good. My gates are secure. I don't need to worry about it. You keep talking about all that stuff, you scouts. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. It's not true. Doesn't that happen in our world today? It happens all the time. This is coming. This is coming. This world, can, can we just agree as believers, we know this world is going to end. And yet, even as Christians, do we find ourselves being trapped by thinking about our concerns for today? I, I'm guilty of it. M- maybe, maybe I'm concerned about money when I know God's got my future. I'm concerned about how my kids might turn out, but does God care? Does God love my kids more than I do? Absolutely. Does God know my needs? I have, all those things are true, and yet, how do I live? 
How do any of us live? Even though we know, we know this, we mostly do not live it. If we're honest, we all struggle with this upside-down kingdom. So the writing is on the wall. Even though we know this world will end, we, sometimes we seek it. We appease the world's interests. So to begin with, before we get into humility and really specifically look at it, moving into the upside-down kingdom starts by setting aside the things that are distracting us. What in this world am I seeking that I don't need? What desire have I been nurturing that is dragging down my relationship with God? If someone were to go to my heart and write on the wall of my heart, this is ending. This is lacking. What might that writing say to us? Is there anything in our heart, is there anything in our life that we are allowing of this world to weigh us from from hearing what God might be saying? Once we have set aside the right side up kingdom, we can see his kingdom. That might start by making humility something we value. So what exactly is humility? What is humility? So two parts to humility, at least the way I see it, there's two parts, and we'll see these in this Mark chapter 9 passage. Humility, first of all, is putting others first. There's a human component to it. There will be a spiritual component in just a little bit here. But first, there's a human component. It's how our interactions day-to-day go. Humility means putting others first. So Jesus had been on this walk, and he asked them, so what were you just arguing about? Okay, why does he ask that question? Does he know what they're arguing about? Yeah, they, they became silent because he knew, they knew that he knew. It was like the unspoken words and when they finally got to the house, when they finally got to where they're going, it's, it's, you ever hear about the, the come to Jesus meeting? Well, this is the come to Jesus meeting, all right? He's, he, he sat the people down. It's an intervention. It's gonna call, he's going to call these people out. He's going to set them in a circle. And guys, this is what you need to hear. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, come to Jesus. Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. If you've got a Bible, I would maybe, if, if I, I underline and write up in my Bible all the time, I would underline very and all. The core of humility is defined. It is to be the very last. The servant of all. I see, I think the, up, the, the right side up kingdom says, as long as I'm not Acting like I'm the best. I'm somewhere in the middle. Let's go for middle. Let's go for right here in the middle. That's good. No, Jesus says, no, I don't. I want you to be the very, very last. I don't know about you. That's hard for me to accept. I don't like to go there. I don't want to be last in the line. You know what happens to the last in the, in the line? The food's all gone. What happens in, if you're last? The good stuff is taken. Everything's missing. Why would I want to be last? That doesn't make any sense. I earned this, didn't I? I put in my time. I was last before. Now it's my turn. 
At least let me be somewhere in the middle. No, Jesus says, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last. And who should be the servant of, the servant of all? I don't know about you. Do you know some people that don't deserve to be served? You think they've been served enough? I've met that person. I mean, some of them live at my house. Um, so Jesus goes down this road and he shows us how it works. What had he just done? He just healed some people. Gave, he didn't have to do that. What did he had just, he just told him, I'm going to die on the cross for you. Did Jesus have to do any of these things? He is modeling for us how we might live this life, showing us what truly mattered. Humility is putting others first. Read Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So the question could be asked, am I being controlled by what the world says? Or am I being controlled by what Jesus said and did? Jesus was a true revolutionary. He developed a pattern of values that allowed him and focused his life on living differently than anyone before him. He set himself aside. He put his own things down. He was no longer caught up in a power to conform. And life has been forever different. The more humble we become, the more we realize how little we have to offer the great King of Heaven. And that also is the closer we are to hearing and knowing what it is to have Jesus in us. Now this step of humility, let, let no mistake be made, it is not easy. It is challenging. Humility, it's putting others first. So Jesus' pattern was others first, not tied or limited by what the world seeks. And Jesus' product, what it resulted in, was people that live in a way that he seeks. Not an act change, not just behavioral change, but a real heart transplant. Sometimes I think we have to decide to do this, and it's not natural, but as we live and practice it, we come to understand that living this is God's plan. Well, there's one more part of humility. This is the last part of humility that we'll be touching on. I'm sure we could go much further down this road of what humility is. But humility is also living in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a dependence upon Him. In Mark chapter 9, 36 and 37. I think I got the wrong uh, book there. It's, it's actually Mark chapter 9 took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one of these children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. Powerful life comes from this new way of life. So Jesus brings into their midst a child, a small child, a little child. What I, I was thinking as I was reading the story, how old do you think this child was? Because apparently the child could stand on its own, but at some point Jesus took him into his arms. So I'm thinking probably three years old, maybe four. 
So maybe in my mind, when I read the stories, I had a three-year-old child in my mind. Okay? Maybe they can talk just a little bit. What is that child all about? So that child s- stood in the midst. What can that child do? What is that child capable of? Well, it it's, can do some things, but they can't make any decisions for themselves. They're counting on the adults, the caring adults in their life to provide where they might live, their food. Are they concerned about what they might do for a job when they're three years old? Are they th- concerned about who they might marry? Probably not. Can't imagine. They are oblivious to many of the things that they might have to deal with. But that's not a bad thing. It's because, why? They know everything has been taken care of. God the Father is taking care of these things for them. Jesus is saying, depend on me. Become like this little child. This healthy dependence on me. I know there are things to worry about. Does the child, will that child in time discover? Yeah, there are things to worry about, things to be concerned about. Yeah. Jesus' message, this gospel message, what he was bringing for us here on earth, was not being so weak so that others could hurt, hurt us. It was about him representing us, him taking the pain and the punishment on the cross. It was Him being a go-between God the Father and us all so that we could, we could have this relationship with Him. And he, he can instill within His people a different set of values, a different way to live. Well, we are weak and of little significance in this world, the Holy Spirit can be this powerful thing. Those who make themselves small, almost, if, if we can actually become nothing, that's when this comes alive. So let's talk a little, just a little bit about what the Holy Spirit does. We could get way far more into this, but in John 14, 26, it says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you things, teach you all things, and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So again, if you were to underline your Bible, this is where I would underline John 14, 26, all and everything. What might he teach us? All. He will remind you of what? Everything. The Holy Spirit does the same to us. We do not walk in power, we walk in weakness. We do not walk in pride, we walk in humility. We are low in spirit. This is opposite of what the world might seek. We're at the lower place than the rest of the world. The Holy Spirit is sent to teach us and help us become the people that he desires. This is so that we can become the church he is crafting. Not our idea of church. Not our idea of people. Not our idea of glory. His. Not our wisdom. Not our wealth. Not our power. Not our prestige. Can we just, can we just set aside that anything that we bring to this world, it will not last. Nothing. Can you think of any? Nothing in this world. The, the ancient wonders of the world, we don't even know for sure if, if Balthazar's Hanging gardens even really exist. We think they did. What do we have that will be of lasting and significant? It's what the Holy Spirit might do through us. Bethany is seeking to have this value, this humble place, with a healthy dependence upon the Holy Spirit. 
this is what we might do. This is how we might live. Now, all these things are good. So maybe we've defined humility a little bit better. Maybe we understand a little bit better. I hope that we do, but really the nuts and bolts of all this coming together is how could we live this out? I, I was talking to Pastor Mark earlier this week, and one thing that he said was, well, if I want to get better at humility, you know what I just do? I hang around other people. Because I soon realized there's a lot of people doing all the things, anything that I might do, there's other people doing it better than I am. I, I went fishing a couple of weeks ago. I told you that story. These people are way better fishermen than I am. If you want to talk about, I could go online and you could listen to a sermon by a speaker far more eloquent than I could ever be. There's dads out there that are better dads. There's better, you name it, what are you into? There's somebody probably, you could find somebody better at it than you are. So maybe the first thing we could do is just look around and say, hey, I'm really not that great. And that's okay place to be. In fact, what did Jesus say in Philippians chapter 2? Remember those verses? In humility, consider others better than yourself. Put them in front of you. So it starts by that. Next, we can maybe learn from our own humbling experiences. Remember my bike ride I took? Ooh, I was so proud of myself. You know what? There's 80-year-olds that can bike faster than I can. All right? Just the way it is. Okay? We can learn. The, the worst thing that can happen when we have these humbling experiences is to what? Just say, forget it. Let it be lost. Don't let those, maybe that humbling experience, don't let it have to happen twice. Remember those things. How good is it to be around people that are humble? I don't know about you. I've, I've been around some people like that. I, I really enjoy being in their presence many times. Why? It's just, it's comfortable to be around that person. I want to be like that. But finally, act humbly. Where I'm going with this is, where I, I think where humbleness can really finally take root and happen is when we start saying, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to act humble today. I may not have it in my heart. I don't even feel like it. Sometimes I think we act humble because it's just, it's the right thing to do. I think our maturity and growth in our life as believers and Christians can start happening when, when? It, it's when we start just, it becomes a natural part of who we are. I would wish that for all of God's people. That's what we're hoping Bethany becomes. We want to be different than this world, not not the glory coming to us, but the glory to the Father, that we could be set, as, set aside, still used by God, but not for our glory, but for His. That's where our church might be different. The, the reason why that word was chosen is not because, is, is Bethany always that, especially perfectly? No, but that's what we're striving for. That's what we believe. And I think there are, there's pieces of that happening here at Bethany. What we're saying is, this is what we're striving for. And it's living in dependence upon that Holy Spirit. We're going to sing one last song here as we close here. Um, I hope that maybe as you listen to what was going on in the sermon and, and what's going on in the story, it would come alive not so much, this is what I can be, this is what God might do through me.
you like 